Welcome to the Election 2020 series of The Candidate. We're sitting down with each party leader and putting your questions to them to help you decide who to vote for tomorrow. I'm Christina Finn, political correspondent here at thejournal.ie, and today I'm joined by Eamon Ryan, leader of the Green Party. Eamon, you're very welcome. This is one of the final uh, interviews you've done, 33 in, in total, is it? Yeah, that's for the last four weeks. I was just topping them up this morning. So I'd be honest, I'd be glad when it's over. <laughs> well, you can be honest here, let it all out now okay. at this stage. Um, but I suppose as we come towards Saturday, a lot of the big questions now at the moment will be about the smaller parties and the larger parties and who's going to be friends mm. with who after the after the count. Mm. What party is more palatable for the Green Party? I've been explaining this in 33 interviews before mm-hmm. this. Um, the change we need to make to address climate change is beyond compare and, and biodiversity loss. It's huge. It changes the entire transport system, energy system, waste system, uh, uh, everything. And it has to be changed for the better. And it has to involve every community, every place matters, every person matters. So if you believe that, and it has to be three or four governments in a row, like this will take us a couple of decades, but we have to, it's just such a huge um, turn for the better. If if you believe that, which I do, well, then it lends you towards a form of politics where you say we're going to work with everyone. And because we need the more consensus on this, the easier it'll be, it'll be to make the sort of change we need to make. And also, I suppose, ultimately, I, I believe in a democratic constitutional republic. And if our people, people are sovereign in this, how they vote tomorrow. And if they say, well, we want this representative. Well, I think if you believe in that democratic mandate, well, then you talk to people. So is that saying that if Sinn Féin comes out with a decent enough vote um, after Saturday that the Green Party are, are willing to we'd talk say, to them? We'd say we talk to everyone. But I'd have to say in terms of in terms of us coming to any such talks, we'll be saying, listen, this, it is a scale change. It is kind of at least a 7% per annum reduction in emissions. And looking at your manifesto, there's no real uh, commitment to that sort of scale of change. We, we differ on, you know, com- the issues of like changing our transport system. We're clear. We said we, we think it's time to really invest in walking, cycling, public and transport. carbon tax as well. And prioritise that. Yeah, but I mean, I don't see that as being the really most difficult one because, to be honest, it's it's an important part of the jigsaw, but it's it's the really the spending side and the investment side is what you have to do at the same time, if not ahead. And and it's on that I'd be critical of the other parties that they they all say, oh, yeah, we're into climate. We're going to do our bit. But actually, they don't provide the resources. They don't show the policy commitments that they'll need to make. And that will be the no matter who we're talking to, most of the other parties don't have the same scale of ambition, don't have the same vision. So our biggest challenge is going to be sitting down to them and explaining this is why this transport approach works. This is why we need to change Irish agriculture for the better by paying farmers properly. And and I think it's in those issues there there will be a lot of talking needed to be done. Well, you'll be in demand, I think, in the next couple of weeks from all the parties. They've all mentioned you in terms of, you know, getting a government over the line. Mm. Um and I think Brendan Howland was even saying last night that he, he wants to put a call into yourself and form some sort of cohesive plan, perhaps yeah. with the left. Um, is that something you're open to? And yeah, then also, secondly, like what sort of red line issues, if you're going to go and talk yeah. to Sinn Féin, <coughs> Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, or is there anything that you're saying, I won't go in unless we have X, Y and Z? First, I didn't get a chance last night, so I'm glad to have it this morning to, to answer that question. I think it does make sense, uh, depending on, you know, the numbers and who's elected. And But I certainly, I think one of the first things we would be looking to do would be sitting down with the likes of Labour, Social Democrats, other independents who are kind of like-minded, and, and there are a good few of us. 
and seeing um, have we kind of strength together in terms of, uh, you know, we will agree on certain issues, for clearly the development of snotch care, it's how we do it. We came from that position ourselves originally, so it's very easy for us to kind of fit into this idea that really prevention and primary care and, and investing in our health system is critical. Similarly on housing, like I think we agree that the market is no we can't rely on the market. We have to step up and in my mind, provide a whole variety of public housing solutions that that, that particularly targets the rental crisis and uh, and I think we'll have agreement on that. I think where we'll differ, even with the Labour Party, I mean, it came up in the debate last night, Brendan was saying, oh, we still need all these roads. And, and I was saying, well, you know, take the N11, which is one that joins our two constituencies, like spending eight or 900 million widening that when you're coming into a traffic gridlock in Dublin, doesn't make sense. It, it just does not make transport sense. And if we spent the money upgrading the Wexford rail line to Dublin and really providing high quality, high speed commuter services, that makes more sense. And I suppose I, um, I'd look forward to that opportunity of sitting down with, with those parties uh, but and, and others. And I think, but first of all, it depends who gets elected. And if we get a mandate in terms of having a big team, it'll help us in those negotiations to make the case. Would you be minded to sit down with Brendan Howland and the rest before well, sit, before Lee, talking to the larger parties? Pat, Pat Leahy um, wrote about this in the Irish Times two weeks ago in his column. And and I think what he said is correct. Yeah, it does. It makes sense where, where the, a lot particular parties are kind of have similar views on, on issues like slanter care, on, on issues like public housing. Um, yeah, I think it, it does make sense. But first things first, the people have to decide. People are sovereign in this weekend. They have to vote on the basis of who they want as their representatives. Everything starts really from that and you can't preempt that. Uh, one more issue, I suppose, that we actually love here in the journal is the idea of wolves. And mm. it's something that you've probably been asked about 33 times yeah. in those in those interviews. Um, I know you've said that perhaps it was it got carried away perhaps by the media um, but I see the Social Democrats had something similar in their mm. manifesto, actually, about bringing back species. Are you afraid that they're they're jumping on the, the green bandwagon with oh, that no. one? Or, or are people, I suppose, looking with humour at this issue when it's actually a serious one that, as you said, has been taken on board by lots of other countries? Yeah. Now, listen, all aboard. If anyone else is willing <laughs> to go the same route, then we very much welcome it. it I suppose what, I, what was lost in that is the underlying logic. Um, we currently have about 11% of our country in forestry. A lot of it, to be honest, is probably not in the right place. A lot of it was on marginal land, which has been drained because of it. And also a lot of it is is um, commercial, single species plantations and a clear filling where you chop it down every 30 years. And the problem with that is um, it's not rich in biodiversity. And we have to tackle the biodiversity crisis as well as the climate crisis. And I think what I was trying to, the point I was making with the wolves was that we need to switch to a completely different form of forestry where we have closer to nature, con continuous cover and native forests. And they're much richer in wildlife. They're much, um, they're a pleasure to walk through. They're, they're kind of, they don't isolate communities. They, they enhance our landscape. Um, and within that, there's also a really strong concept that, that we should get nature to do a lot of the work for us. In many cases, you don't have to, uh, you know, trees will come up, self-seeding, and, and that uh, leads to a very rich native wild forest. Um, within that, the biggest risk is how do you deal with invasive species? How do you deal with overgrazing, particularly from deer? And it was in that context. It's, it's a scientific solution in terms of, and it's happened in a lot of other countries, most of the European countries. Listen, it'll be difficult in Ireland. It's not any time soon because as an island, it's a very different um, physical reality that we're in. But the underlying promise 
of actually changing forestry completely to and being really ambitious with what we're doing in forestry. So, you know, we, we may aim for like 30 percent of our land being covered in native forests um, and having a much more attractive landscape with that and and much stronger natural world. I stick by and I think it's critical that that's given real attention and actually resources because we're going to have to pay for a lot of that unless you go down this self-seeding route. It's going to require a lot of management. There's going to be a lot of jobs in it. I mean, one of the problems we have is I think we've only one really big forestry school uh, where graduates are coming out with those sort of forestry skills. We'll need half a dozen. And actually, it's the education system and the apprenticeship system needs to step up to the plate and provide a whole generation of new foresters and farmers who will be skilled in this managing land. Well, we got lots of questions in for yourself, Eamon, so I'm anxious to press ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was from Deirdre and it was in relation to um, one of your candidates that is running in relation to his um, anti-choice mm-hmm. um, standpoint. So I'll play that one for you now. My name is Deirdre McNamara and I'm from Clontarf in Dublin 3. My question for Mr Ryan is, why is the Green Party running an anti-choice candidate, David Healy, in Dublin North? in a constituency that voted 75% in favour of women's reproductive and health rights, how can you seriously propose a candidate who could vote to restrict these rights? First, I'd say our party has a clear pro-choice position, unrestricted for the first 12 weeks. Um, And our candidates across the country were really deeply involved, particularly in local community level in terms of the campaigning and, and in the repeal campaign. Um, as in every party, there are individuals, people who, who might have a different personal view. But David's made it clear in this that his view doesn't uh, won't get in the way in terms of the party position being promoted in the doll if he was elected or indeed uh, anyone else. We have that approach where there is room for different. I mean, we, you know, there is room for people of all views. But you collectively within the parliament, you work together and we will be pursuing and implementing the Green Party policy position. Uh, that's great. And Eamon, we had another one in from Aoife. She's an 18 year old and she probably has concerns like a lot of young people. Um, there's the protest taking place mm. today or it might not be allowed. But as we've seen, plenty of young people out on the streets this year. Hi, my name is Aoife. I'm an 18 year old six year student from Dublin. I know I can speak for the majority of Irish Leaving Cert candidates when I say this year is quite stressful. A number of issues are circulating throughout this year. I'm eager to express my concerns surrounding positive environmental impact and reversing damage done to our world. My question is, what will you do to secure a safe and healthy future for Ireland? Can we really undo all the damage already done? So a concerned young person there. Is it it too late? No. Um, And even if... uh, you know, we go beyond some of the targets, the, the limits that we've set, a one and a half degree increase. It still, even in those circumstances, makes sense to minimise the the rate of climate change. And, and I suppose particularly, I, I would argue that doing that is going to be good for our society as well. It's going to deliver social justice as well as ecological justice. But we have to rise to this challenge. Our The threat is real, is immense. Our world, as I said last night, is on fire. Greta Thunberg is right. We have the basic science she goes back to, to try and really be, maintain a safe limit in emissions. The scientists say we have about 420 gigatons of carbon we can release. And there's about 40 gigatons a year have been released at this present time. That's where you get this people saying this decade is critical. And all the analysis is the sooner you address it, the better and cheaper it will be. And the truth is we're not. The truth is under the last nine years, there's been an absence of leadership. There's been an an absence of long term thinking and of climate thinking. And that has to change. It has to change, as I said earlier on, at a scale beyond compare 
in investing in public transport, walking and cycling, warm and making better, warmer homes so we don't have oil and gas fired bills to pay. Do you feel you've been going on about these sort of issues for a long time and that the other political parties are, are late, very late to the game on this one? Yeah, they are. We've been talking about this for 40 years. We, we've seen some areas where we've, you know, we've we've been able to achieve positive change, but the scale of the change has not been commensurate to the scale of the risk and the crisis we're in. And, and all the other parties are now talking about it. And I think there's been some good work done in the Dáil in the last two years in that all-party climate committee we set up has brought a, re- a lot of consensus on some of the key decisions we need to do, investing in renewables, improving our homes. But there's still basic, there's still huge difference. Like if you looked at the three leaders, uh, uh, Sinn Féin, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael the other day, as I said, they're saying they want to change, approach it, but they don't want to change our agricultural system. They don't want to change our transport system. And that has to change. As you're talking there about uh, changing people's um, habits, I suppose, the you know, our transport system. This one is in from Cathy and I, I suppose she's speaking to, yes, there are lots of things we need to do, but is the system too slow to actually bring it about? Good morning. My name is Cathy O'Connor. I live in a terrace house in Dublin. I want to trade in my diesel car for an electric car in line with government policy. The Dublin City Council plan will not allow me to alter my garden railings to facilitate a charger point for my new electric vehicle. How will the Green Party resolve this issue? Thank you. It's a really good question because there is a real problem. I see it in my constituency particularly where you have all these terraced houses and how we get the electricity to the houses, the scale of electricity we need, not just to run the electric vehicles, but also to run the heat pumps that will increasingly provide our our heating systems is is a huge technical challenge. I think the ESB will be up to it. I think the company has a proud record over the years going back to the electrification of the country in the first place. It will require technical innovation where we might put chargers into the lampposts on the street or into other infrastructure so that so that everyone has this option it will take a period of time but that's what I'm going back to saying is about the opportunity we're good at this the ESB are actually good they're you know proud company and, and skilled engineers and we need good engineering and it's not good enough for the government to say oh we're just going to have a million electric vehicles and not actually then work through and provide the investment and the incentives to actually make the change on the ground. Because that's the criticism of those big announcements from Fine Gael in terms of the numbers, then complaints about people that want to drive from A to B and they look up the charging points around the country and they find that uh, X amount are broken or they don't work. Is that the sort of criticism yeah, and, and you think? There's a, there's, great to make announcements, but it needs there, follow through. Yeah, and be, there's a broad criticism I would have the government's outgoing government's kind of approach because there was an old-fashioned old approach which which we've learned to move on from that it's all about putting the responsibility on the individual. Now, have you done the right thing? Are you are, are you driving the wrong car? Or have you changed your light bulbs? And all these things we need to do, but just shaming people and making people feel guilty without providing the easy ability to make the change is not the way to go. And, and it has to involve local government and central government in actually providing resources to make it easier for people to make the shift in how we, what sort of electric vehicles we have, in how we improve our homes, and beyond that even in terms of how we restore nature in our own communities, like in, in urban areas in Dublin, that's as important as down the country, that we create kind of a beautiful local natural environment, and particularly where we put housing close to transport, so people are not stuck in long distance commutes, so that there's a really lively street, a really healthy community, that's 
what the role of the political system is to help make that happen. People can't do that on their own. Like you can't invent, you know, you can't change your, your, your street yourself. But if you're working with local government and working in local communities to do it, that's what we have to do. Another issue is the rural community, the farming community. Um, this question came in from Mark and he has certain concerns about the Green Party and a few questions for yourself, Eamon. Okay. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Eamon. Uh, my name is Mark. Uh, Eamon, with trends such as circular economy, remote working and the EU's recent multi-billion fund to tackle climate change, can you describe how the Green Party will use these trends to help rural areas? Can you also elaborate on the projects that Green Parties have done to help the farming community? I think the development of rural Ireland is going to, or rural Ireland is going to benefit from, from, from growing green, going green. This narrative that, you know, it's rural Ireland versus this environmental agenda, I fundamentally disagree and dispute. Because uh, I think if you look at the four legs on the stool of, of economic development in rural Ireland, one will be in this energy area where actually it'll be much easier. You won't have that problem that you have on a terrace road in Dublin in terms of putting electric charging points. And uh, there's a critical job we need to do in terms of developing public transport in rural Ireland, rural bus services, and and, uh, and rural Ireland has a real potential development from this energy infrastructure because our energy transition, because that's where a lot of the energy is. Um, secondly, in terms of um, food, Irish farming is in crisis. The Irish family farm is in crisis. There's no young farmers going into it. We think that the green approach is the best way of securing that farming future. The common agricultural policy has to be reformed in the next year and a half in Europe. And as uh, was said, Europe's entire policy now is around going green. They have a trillion euro fund to support that. We need the common agricultural policy to be designed in a way that we pay farmers properly for providing high quality food, for storing carbon, for improving water quality, for bringing back nature. And that's what the policies, that's where everyone is saying it's going to head towards. And I think um, last but not least in this, if we go this direction and really create a really genuine origin green brand for the country, we will get a better price. And that's the key change that needs to be made. We need to break the power structures where the large processors and retailers have all the power. Third leg in the stool, sorry this is lengthy, but if to think about this, is in tourism. We get huge tourism industries across rural Ireland. And actually that has everything to gain from going green and, and uh, creates a huge amount of employment. And I think by restoring nature, as I mentioned earlier on, that'll help the whole tourism industry. Last but not least, digital services. Warts and all, and the failings that were in the contracting of the National Broadband Plan, we agree now it has to be built and it has to be rolled out quickly. And that actually provides the prospect, just as was said, in terms of distant working, not having to kind of everyone based in offices in downtown Dublin, um, and create and be good in this country, which we can and will be good at, in, in terms of digital services industries. And their location or distance doesn't isn't a factor. So our focus in for rural Ireland is developing those four economic opportunities as a way of reviving and seeing rural Ireland thrive. There's constant calls for farmers as well to diversify if they're going to survive. Um, the journals covered a few ideas, and one of them, which was actually. Uh, supported by Simon Harris was about farming, uh, farmers getting into the medicinal cannabis um, area and it's a big business I know in California and in a lot of other places around the world. Do you think that is something that if you were in government should be looked at? That within the context of managing our, our drug problem on, on a health basis rather than a criminal justice basis I think is the way to go. Uh, but the diversification, I, I mean I'd start by saying to every family farm 120,000 of them. Let's plant one hectare of native woodland 
on that land. You pick the spot. It can't be the it has it can't be the wetland part of the farm, but it could be in the areas where you know the corner of a field where it's not been effectively used anyway. By doing that, you create corridors of of wildlife, and you create a store of carbon, a huge store of carbon. Um, it'd be about one hundred twenty thousand hectares of forestry, which is about twenty times what we're planting at the moment. So it'd be a massive leap. You pay the farmers directly for that. Um, the government's budget last summer or last autumn set out a kind of a Brexit panic or Brexit emergency budget, and they were paying money directly to the food companies. From my vision um, in the event of a hard deal and crash out Brexit. What we're saying is pay the money to farmers directly instead, particularly for that sort of implementable, achievable, you know, each farmer could do that in terms of a hectare of land, you can manage that. And it's that sort of approach, I think, would be the first stop for us in terms of reviving Irish farming. We have another question here um, from Louis in relation to um, fuel extraction um, and the LNG Shannon um, project. This is a question for Eamon Ryan, leader of the Green Party. My name is Louis O'Brien. I'm from Atai, County Kildare. I'm a member of Extinction Rebellion. Will the Green Party oppose the Shannon LNG, or liquefied natural gas, processing plant being planned for the North Kerry coast? So will it oppose it in coalition negotiations with Fianna Fáil? And just so you're aware, Extinction Rebellion vehemently opposed this project. I think Catherine Martin, my colleague, put this really well on uh, Claire Burnshaw on Monday night, I don't know if you saw it, but it was emphatic. So I know if we're serious about climate change, we have to stop that. No question, no ifs, no buts, sorry. And go back to what I was saying earlier on about the environmental movement has learned a lesson. Getting away from this, putting all the responsibility and the blame on the individual, a guy called Bill McKibben, he set up an organisation called 350.org and, and with Amy Klein and others. And they realised that actually, no, you tackle, rather than concentrating all the time at the tail, at the consumption, at the consumer point, you tackle the problem at source. So you actually, it's called the keep it in the ground movement. We know we have to keep four fifths of known fossil fuel resources in the ground before we even look out for new ones. The exploitation and development of frac gas is one of the biggest threats to humanity, because if we use all that resource, the planet will burn. So we have to stop. And as we're stopping, turn on to the alternative. Ireland's sea area is 10 times our land area. We've The windiest place in the world is probably off the coast of Ireland, the west coast. The cost of offshore wind technology, particularly floating turbines, they're very large, but they're, they're, they're tethered rather than um, driven into the, piled into the ground. And, and that's becoming the cheapest form of power. And we have the most massive resource. We could turn, we could get something like 30 gigawatts of that offshore wind in the next decade or two. And uh, just to give, make that, so what, the, what does that mean? Well, that's about six, time all the, six times all the electricity we're currently using at this moment. And that creates a huge new industry in the likes of Money Point in the Shannon Estuary, or in Killybegs, or in Cork Harbour, or in Rosslare, or indeed Dublin Port. It's this is where the investment is going across the world. This is where technical innovation is coming. We have to stop burning fossil fuels. We have to switch to that better future. Would that future. be a, a red line issue for you if you were in any talks the about that specific thing, yeah, um, the whole, plant? The whole climate thing is, but everyone knows our position. Everyone knows that if you're being serious about climate, sorry, you got to, you can't be importing frac gas. It's just, it's no, you can't, you can't be serious if you think that sort of investment is the way to go. And a lot of questions or ideas there about um, offshore wind and I think a lot of people might be listening going it sounds quite simple why hasn't it been done so far what's your 
reason for that. A lack of ambition, lack of leadership. And and, uh, in the last nine years, that's changing, though. I mean, come back to what I said earlier on, that there is agreement. We agreed as Narok, as all parties, that we're going to have 70% renewable electricity in the next 10 years. I think the start of that will come from offshore wind in the Irish Sea. Um, if we put solar panels on 700,000 Irish homes and 55,000 businesses, that would give us 5% of the electricity we need. Uh, and and it's they're the next two big, in my mind, projects. No one disagrees with that. But all the other parties can say, oh, yeah, we'll do that. But as I said, their manifestos don't actually really commit to the scale investment we'd need and the organisational kind of effort that we need to do it. But it's not impossible. It has logic on its side. It has economic reason on its side. So this will happen. Some people say that if the Green Party are in government, it's fair to say that you'll be paying more taxes. Is that a fair assessment? No. Can I? Um, well, firstly, I think is a lot of people in this election are promising that false promise, which has bedeviled this country for many years, that we're going to cut all your taxes and we're going to raise spending. And I don't think that's a wise thing to buy. Um, we do. I think in this election, the fundamental priority is that we do invest in public services. I mean, the real immediate crisis, as well as the bigger climate and biodiversity crisis, is the lack of housing for our young people and the state of homelessness. You know, the shocking when you see someone on the street. And there is a real issue about investment in our health care. You know, they're too immediate. That will require a tax revenue base to provide for it. I don't think it necessarily is massive increases of taxes in every different, you know, it's not, it won't work if it's, if we kind of, uh, as I say, are going to do a punitive thing. But we, we are saying, no, we, we won't be promising the sort of tax cuts that other parties are doing. We think we need that money for public housing. We need that money for our health system. We need that money to invest in public transport. And that's come back to what I said earlier on about some of the other parties, centre-left, you know, who I think we have a similar view on that. And that helps us in terms of going into any negotiations that, that there is broad agreement. Where parties differ on it, I think they have to explain how they're not going down a dangerous route where, where you couldn't provide the housing we need or, or the health system we need. And and it was very interesting. I, I cited it a lot in the last few weeks. Danny McCoy, the head of the Irish Business and Employers Confederation, said three weeks ago, actually, the biggest threat to our economy at the moment is that the state isn't big enough. The state isn't actually commensurate in size with the big growth we've seen in our private sector. And this, the, it's, it's the lack of those basic public services is the most immediate issue that whoever's in government has to address. And that leads you not to cutting tax, but to holding the current tax base. Will you be in government next time, Ryan? I haven't a clue. And um, to be honest, it's in the hands of the electorate now. If they want green, they've got to vote green tomorrow. And, um, and then we'll see you on Monday. Eamon Ryan, leader of the Green Party, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Christina. Many thanks to Eamon Ryan for joining us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Candidate with me, Christina Finn. We appreciate you sending in your questions and I do apologise if we didn't get to include yours. If you'd like to listen back to our interview with one of the other party leaders we've met so far, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced and co-edited by Laura Byrne and Nikki Ryan. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts and we'd love if you shared it with a friend you think will enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in.